Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the movies from 1999 from our purchase here <laughs> in 2018. I think I got in your head about this. Phil has told me that. Uh, it sounds like purchase. Purchase from our. So I. I, per, I know what you were trying from to our say. our purchase here yeah, yeah. in 2018. This is where we. This is where we uh, Oh my gosh. Have you been saying purchase here this whole time? Yeah, what you yeah. Been saying? I thought it was purchase here. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting term. I've is never- that like like yeah. from like our like land here? From our like purchase. Like some yeah. some eso- like Louisiana purchase. Yes. Like some esoteric yes. term. <laughs> Other people that were I saying might that use. Me, so I was yeah. I people are like- just talking about my intro. <laughs> Uh, I mean, <laughs> two people have mentioned it so to me. so funny. Yeah. Uh, we should just think of another word other than perch, and we'll be good. From our I, from, from our bird's nest here? Uh, I think it's interesting that you seem, seem to be very focused on, <laughs> on bird birds. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of us being in 2019 no, I get and that. overlooking. Sure, from our, from from, our view here. That's right. what, eh, we'll figure it Something out. Something a little more visual. We'll figure it out. Um but From our way. purchase here in 2018, <laughs> we will be talking about a movie. He's also, this is Kenny, and I'm Phil. Oh, sorry, for the Kenny that, and I are. care. Phil, Phil Isco, yeah, yeah. and we have a very special guest today. We do. Lindy Greenwood. Indeed. Of the show Sleepy Hollow. Indeed. We yeah. have no connection to that show. <laughs> and Nikita. <laughs> Lindy played Jenny on Sleepy That's, Hollow. Yeah. That's right. Uh, since Thanks, Phil. 
four years. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very important character on the 60, show. 60, 70 something episodes, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, a lot. And yeah. Yes. And uh, Linda, you're our first actor on the show. So really? we're, we're going to, yes. we have questions about performance. Oh my gosh. You, so, you know, yeah. All right. Be, well, I will yeah. try and represent my people. <laughs> <laughs> as You're, you people meaning Canadians. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I guess all of the above. <laughs> Canadian actors, obviously. Well, Canadian actors. Yeah. So you'll represent yeah. Seth Rogen very well. Yeah. Um, and you are also the first person to choose a movie about cannibalism. Ah, sweet. And the Civil War. And the, well, actually that's not true. Mexican well, I, War. she's the first, she's the I guess first it was, yeah, guest. Yeah. To do a show about the Civil War, but we have done a Civil War movie, oh, a Civil we? War adjacent movie. Oh God, Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh, is that Civil War adjacent? It it's takes place about. Um, it takes place a couple years. I actually, after. listened to that episode, but I yeah. haven't rewatched the movie. I, I mean, that movie's really you know historically accurate. It's yeah. clear that like mm-hmm. history was a really big part of what they wanted to explore. Kenneth Branagh plays <laughs> a ex Confederate soldier, so yes. that's a, that's but oh. it, it's yeah. It's actually an interesting thing because watching Ravenous, it just made me think, you know, Ravenous is about people eating. Which is the movie we're covering today for the people. Right. That oh, Ravenous. Who, yeah. The people who don't read the, the link they there click on. There are some people that might not. So it made me think just how stupid Wild Wild West is because even though this movie is about people eating, it looks really good and feels yeah. really um, authentic. And grounded. For the, yes. Considering that it's mm-hmm. has it's genre only, elements. Yeah, it's the only been, heightened yeah. element. It, the people eating isn't even heightened. Yeah, it's, it's really the heightened. zombie. I'll eat your brain and gain your knowledge thing. That's yeah, the the I, Wendigo mm-hmm. angle. Well, yeah. before we get into it, let's talk to Linda a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Be, let's. I'm going to ask the question. I told you I'm going to ask. All right. Why ravenous? Oh, why me. ravenous? I mean, I when you asked me to do this podcast, Phil, I looked at the movies produced in 1999, and my mind was blown. I had no idea. So many it's awesome crazy. movies came. Like insane. Um, and so I couldn't decide at all. And then I was just sitting, I was reading, I don't think I was reading a, the book that I'm reading right now. It has nothing to do with cannibalism. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> the word ravenous came up and I thought, huh, ravenous. That's I fucking so love that funny. movie. That's so funny. So, um, I checked to see if it was 1999 mm. and wow, it was. It, uh, truthfully, cause I, I texted, you know, Lindy a couple weeks ago, whenever I texted you saying, you know, would you come on? And you were like, yeah, let me look at the list, whatever. And then we had dinner the other night and it was like, the, she's like ravenous. I was like, you can have ravenous. I was so surprised that I was yeah, the only one. Yeah. It's a great movie. Can we all agree oh, that it's yeah. a great movie? Yeah. So I good. was so happy to have seen it because I had never seen it. Oh, cool. Well, I'm glad. You, never really even heard of it. Right. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a blip. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, we'll talk a little bit Ooh, it's about its, its release and Ooh, its numbers are yeah. brutal. Yeah, really bad. But uh, yeah, it was, it's it's a movie that I probably wouldn't have even know existed in 99 had it not been for um, Jan Katask, mm-hmm. friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, who the Recurring character. Recurring character. Yeah. Someday we'll, you might hear his voice. Um, is a huge, and as am I, a big Blur fan. Mm-hmm. So it was the Damon Albarn score that made him take notice and in turn sort of bring it up to me. And, and that was the only reason that I even knew it existed. Back That's in, why back I saw it in 99 as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and I think I saw it at the Cumberland. Oh, so you saw it in the theater. Yeah, I saw I it, in the, see it in the theater. I yeah. think I, I want to say that Jan did, but I know I didn't. Mm. I know I saw it on video after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's... It's a weird, great it's movie. So weird. It, it really, really is. It's a special movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. No, it's, it's actually a weird thing because I know Damon Albarn did the soundtrack, but there's this weird, like, 
yeah. co-mingling. Yeah. Of- yeah. Did you read about this? A little bit, but um, the, so it's it's weird. So um, as composers, Damon Albarn and Michael Nyman were forced to compete for credit due to increasingly confusing production demands, mm-hmm. which I would assume means that one of them did a score, then the other one did a score. And similarly to any sort of like, you know, it's like when you write a script and there's elements that exist from previous compositions, then maybe that's what it was. Again, I'm speculating. I don't really I read know, somewhere that the one did like 60% of yeah. the music and the other did 40%. But how does that work? When I, it's don't, I mean, what's also interesting too, is that there's an and in between it rather than an ampersand. So when it's an ampersand for, for, nerds out there that care about credits when it's an ampersand it means that the people work together when it's oh. an a- the word and it means they work separately i'm sorry what was it an and i believe it was an and yeah. so they they independently did compositions and then parts of them were used in the score um so yeah it's weird so like it yeah it's a very odd this movie has a lot of weird shit going on in the background mm-hmm. which is sort of what makes it special i think it's actually like the score is one of the more interesting parts because oh, yeah. sometimes it's very clearly. I mean, David Alborn is more interesting than most musicians because he has he has worked in many different genres really well. Yeah, but you kind of know when it's him. You mm-hmm. kind of know when it feels a little more modern, feels a little more synthy, and then there's like the banjo stuff, it's awesome. and then there's like the John Williamsy stuff. Yeah. And- yeah. And the plucking and the like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a really, I'm getting shivers just it's a really, it. really good score. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they juxtapose a lot of things and they juxtapose like silly banjo compositions with these epic sort of yeah. instrumental. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's great. Lindy, before we move on, uh, yes, just a little more context about you. Sure. Where were you in 1999? I was in Toronto where I am from. Represent. Yes. Thank you. Oh gosh. What, what? Sweating. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess I was 16, 15 or 16. And I would have been spending a lot of time in Yorkville on yeah. the rock drinking coffee sure, before I know. and after watching movies at the Cumberland, at the Cumberland or, which or the varsity. I don't think the Cumberland it's not there anymore. anymore. Yeah, it's Varsity still exists. Varsity, yeah, which is fine. I think the first VIP cinemas in the city. Anyway, that's not interesting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It is to a very small (laughs) listenership of the world, but 80% of our listenership is from Toronto. There's a good chunk of Torontonians listening to this podcast. Torontonians. Awesome. Um, (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh, what, where was I school wise? I guess I was uh, at Seed Alternative. (laughs) School. I don't think I know that school. No, I went no. to Etobicoke School of the Arts for sure, grade I nine know. and yeah. ten. Okay, I know that. Yeah. I hated it, so I okay. left and went to Seed. It sounds familiar, but I don't think I knew anybody who went. It was there. really a great school. It was yeah, super cool. fun. Yeah. And what were some of the other movies from '99 that you that jumped out, or just? Well, really I mean, The Matrix, obviously. Yeah, sure. I watched, I think I saw The Matrix in the theater six or seven times. Yeah, nice. So, uh, <laughs> <That's> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, so you're one of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there yeah. were others that you, that you, I don't know if there were others that you asked me about, but were there others when you looked at the list that you were like, yeah. that you thought about wanting to talk about? Oh, there were so many. Uh, oh, Stigmata. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Stigmata, yeah. Let's see how this goes. Maybe we'll have you back for Stigmata. We'll just do yeah. kind of a yeah. kind of a bloody, <laughs> yeah. just a lot. Well, of- we're thinking about sure. doing a double bill on Stigmata and End of Days, because Gabriel Byrne right. plays basically the same role same, in both of those yeah, movies. Sort of year. both Crazy. devil-y movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that could be super fun, too. I would love that. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. 
Um, so I'm going to give a synopsis of this movie for the people that, and by that I mean everyone, everyone <laughs> that has not seen this movie and needs to know what it's about. Uh, upon receiving reports of missing persons at Fort Spencer, a remote army outpost in the Western Frontier, Captain John Boyd, played by Guy Pierce, investigates. After arriving at his new post, Boyd and his regiment aid a wounded frontiersman, F.W. I think it's... How do we say? Is it like it's Calhoun? Like Calhoun. Okay, Calhoun. sorry, it's yeah, spelled so, really. So yeah. I'm going to say yeah. Calhoun, played by uh, Robert Carlyle, who recounts a horrifying tale of a wagon train murdered by its supposed guide, a vicious U.S. Army colonel gone rogue. Fearing the worst, the regiment heads out into the wilderness to val- to verify Calhoun's gruesome claims. And, and then when shit, shit gets, gets weird. weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Ravenous opened on March 19th, 1999 in the U.S. in, shockingly, over a thousand cinemas, which is kind of insane. Wow. I think for a movie like that. Totally. Do not platform this movie is insane. But anyway. It's insane they spent 12 million. They, they got someone million. to spend $12 million. $12 million yeah. is yeah. kind of And shot nuts. it in Slovakia. Which- yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it accumulated Which, uh, uh, a little over a million dollars in its opening weekend. It finished 18th for the weekend. I didn't even know 18 movies came out in one weekend. Well, I mean, 18th <laughs> in terms of there were other movies, other movies. That, that came out. Uh, and the film went on to grow. 18 is bad. 18 is really bad. Yeah, no, 18, 18 is, is about as bad as it gets for an opening Yeah, weekend. for an opening on a thousand screens, nonetheless. Like, no one That's went crazy. to see this movie. Uh, and it went on to gross a little over $2 million in North America. Uh, on a twelve million dollar budget, so yeah, it was a fucking failure. And Guy Pierce wasn't nobody, and Robert Carlyle wasn't no Carlyle wasn't nobody. Um, yeah, but they were also like, it's also interesting too because I was looking at like their film. They're also those are two guys that have a really interesting filmography, like hmm. big interesting choices. I'd say maybe more Guy Pierce has had more leading man roles, obviously, than than Robert Car- Carlyle has. But coming off of LA Confidential, he kind of probably had his pick of of some stuff. And he took some really bold, interesting choices and clearly didn't want to be in franchises and definitely and he just and you know, you look at the stuff that he's done from like Memento to this, and this is a guy who like just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. But then he also did like The Time Machine, which is a terrible movie, but like he's done interesting stuff. This was more or less his next movie off of LA Confidential. My guess is I don't even yeah. know if Brave New World is that Brave New World? No, I don't think. I mean, God knows what it is. I don't know. What it I is. mean, literally the like, the Wikipedia article for so this his first for credit this, after So he made a movie in 98 called Brave New World, sure, which I've sure. never heard of okay. and uh literally has a two sentence Wikipedia, so let's pretend that doesn't <laughs> exist. Okay. This is number two. Wow. This is the thing he wow. did after it. So you're That's right. That's so weird. And then <laughs> it is. It's, it's like you come off the, the heat of that movie yeah. to do this. Is, That's just weird. And then he did, you know, fucking Memento the next year and kind of solidified himself as like. A go-to guy. A go-to for guy. For interesting stuff. A guy you can trust. Yeah. And, and, and the truth is, if you people saw this movie, that would have also played into that I mean, idea. I mean, he was that, great. He's and like he's you know he did Iron Man three like it's not that the guy won't take a yeah. big studio check a long time after though but. sure 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 but I just mean like he's I don't know he's a really I think he's a I've always liked him I, I think I when I first noticed him was uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert oh yeah and I love that movie oh and gosh, he's great so in that movie mm-hmm. uh, all three of them are great like Hugo Weaving and Terrence Stamp and and mm-hmm. Guy Pearce are all great in that film uh, so that was when I sort of noticed him first and then you know obviously Ali Confidential put him on the map. It's really interesting because that was only his third movie and he, that's the only movie of any real note he did before LA Confidential. Yeah. But he was so good in LA Confidential. Oh my God, he's amazing in LA Confidential. Unbelievable. I mean, that movie is 
like close to perfect. It is. I haven't seen it in great. years. I should rewatch. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You know, there's a pilot right now. I know. CBS. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Trying to do it as a show. Why? It could work. They've tried it already. They shot a pilot. That one could like work. It really? could hypothetically work. I could see it. All it like could work. work. I'm not saying it. It's, you know, anyway. Um, so, uh, we should probably talk about the machinations of uh, the director stuff that was going yeah. on behind the scenes of this movie before we sort of get into. Um, so they they um, hired a director and Milcho Manchevsky, I think is how you pronounce his name. Sounds My apologies if I, Milcho. if I fucked That's that up. Right. Everyone knows Milcho. Milcho. Yeah. Uh, so they hired him. He had just directed an Academy Award nominated foreign film. I'm not sure if it won called Before the Rain. Mm. Um, and they hired him to do this movie. And um, he was, I guess, complaining about pre-production and any number of elements. And then when they actually got to location, he felt like he didn't have enough time to do it properly. And he wanted more money and he wanted more time. And the production company at the time, uh, Fox 2000 eventually agreed to an additional week with the complaints that he had made. Um, he kept continuing to complain to, uh, Laura Ziskin who micromanaged the production and vetoing this, that, and whatever below the line shooting was delayed. Uh, and then basically he just bailed on the project. And they were sort of in Did this. Did he just bail? I read that he was he was very actively fired. Like, well, he was fired. Okay, so well, was, because it, it seems because well, they brought on another person. They brought on. But it uh, seems that they literally brought him on. Yes. Laura Ziskin mm. shows up with a new director. With a new director played by uh, played by <laughs> actually in uh, who was the director? His name is Ra- Raja Gosnell. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the guy that did one credit, right? And it would go on to make Mystery Men. He, he, that guy's oh. gonna have a career, yeah. but he had one credit at the time. Anyway, so you know, that, what, this, you know what it was? Uh, it's, a, it's a great credit. I don't know no. what it was. Home Alone Three. Shut uh, up. Yeah. That movie is amazing. I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen the trilogy. I've only seen the first two. Actually, no. I guess no. It's is the second one when he goes to New York. Home Alone Three. Okay, no, right. Home Alone Three is. Fucking terrible. Okay, I've not seen Home. I, I won't even show it, it to my kids. Really? It's so bad. Oh, oh man. No, it's like it's terrible. It's Is not, it even Macaulay Culkin anymore? No, it's, no, a, it's a, a younger kid. kid. Um, it's four criminals, and it's so mean and violent. It's disgusting. <laughs> oh, the first one I watched just recently again. Oh, it's, it's a great amazing movie, movie. But it's also it goes to some pretty dark, fucking weird places. Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, uh, so they bring on they bring on Raja to set. You know what he he didn't do? What did you? He didn't do Mystery Men. He didn't. He'd never been kissed. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I don't know. But he, who you did know, Mystery Man? Why am I? But I actually thought he went on to have kind of a big career. He has a career, but it's a weird career. He's done like the live action Smurfs and like the live action Scooby Doo's. Hmm. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I, I was totally wrong about Mystery Man. My apologies. But you know, uh, so either way, uh, but it, what is interesting about the Never Been Kissed of it all is that Never Been Kissed was a Fox 2000 movie, oh. which also came out in '99. Laura Ziskin just probably thought he was the next big thing. <laughs> I guess. So she That's... she was like, we're finding you a movie. Can we talk about one thing, though? Yes. This guy did Home Alone 3. Yes. He did Smurf Scooby-Doo. He yes. did Never Been Kissed. And yeah. someone said, you're Do- good for the period cannibal movie. <laughs> yeah. You're the guy I need for the period cannibal well, movie. Here's what I will say, though. Like, what Not is- that I'm in, I have any reason to defend Fox 2000 or Laura Ziskin in this equation, but like, this is a weird fucking movie. Like this is a tonal, like you got to thread so many needles on this thing. So You're saying who is right for this movie, who is right. And also yeah. maybe someone broader will make it more sort of openly comedic. Like it's living in a very weird space, which is why I love it. But it's also why 
you would, as a studio executive, be like, I don't know what box this fits in. Let's jam it into this one, and maybe Raja can put it into that box. I don't know. Either way, Raja is brought to set, and they say, <laughs> the cast uniformly says no, no. to this guy, yeah. which is kind of amazing. I mean, that there was a mutiny on set. Is Have kind you ever of been incredible. on a, a set where anyone's done anything like that? But like, d- to turn a director down? No, no, not that extreme. What would that conversation but, be like among the cast? I don't even cast? know. Like, like how, how, how would you form that quorum? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, quorum. I'm picturing Tom Meissen like coming to my trailer, knocking yeah. on the door. Okay, Lindy, we got to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, that would be something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just the idea of banding together, which I think is great. And we have heard stories in Hollywood of, of actors that band together oh, yeah. on contractual things. I've done it on like line dialogue oh, sure, stuff, sure. Being like, for, for sure. sure. Like we'll, we'll have conversations, you know, off to the side and then just, you know, approach as a group and say, sorry, this line is not happening. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something kind of almost union like about it on a mm-hmm. certain level, right? Where like if the actors, I mean, I certainly haven't been in a situation like this, but I imagine that if you do have a director that you all feel is just wrong for, is going to hurt your performances and is going to make the movie wrong, especially in a situation like this, where you've just had the director booted off. Like, it sort of makes sense that, that it would kind break of my heart if I was that guy. Yeah. What do you mean? He went and made Never Been Kissed, which people fucking love that movie. <laughs> yeah, he really had a big bounce off that <laughs> like one. He really went, went directly to Scooby you know, Doo. Those movies make bank, I imagine. Scooby the first one. I don't know if you've seen it. I have. I have not. Very weird movie. Very weird movie. Very in, in kind of a good way. I mean, it yeah. better be. I mean, Scooby is weird, weird movies. Yeah. Well, the, Scooby being CG makes the whole thing very surreal. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so you're watching it's being like, and there's like a high person at the center of it as well. Shaggy. Is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back a 99 movie? Uh, Dogma. Dogma's, Dogma. Dogma's the okay. Kevin Smith movie. I was for just picturing Scooby. And- yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so long story short, Robert Carlyle, who I guess had worked with Antonia Bird in the past. Mm-hmm. Brought her up. She gets the gig, and and to her credit, has actually said in the like that she agrees with the problems mm-hmm. that uh, that the previous director that uh, Mil- Milcho that was Milcho Mil- Milcho's name uh, Milcho's name that he had with it. So you know, it seems like it was a troubled production, which is again a testament to the fact that this movie works in any way. Mm-hmm. It says something about not just her, but the script and you know the the world that they're playing. And she also, I think, the final product that the cut she wasn't super happy with they no, she, slipped in some stuff that she they, didn't like they fucked with it too i imagine the narration that happens she was that yeah, was not narration mm-hmm. is not great no I, and yeah. the, and to be fair the climax of the film which we'll get to when we get there um i had issues with as well mm-hmm. like it, it it's it there is a part of me that felt a little bit like they either ran out of money which is sort of what it kind of felt like a little yeah. bit and you just sort of it's kind of got this weird i don't know the first half movie. of the movie is really the best Yes. And then it, it it gets a listen, we'll get yeah. into all of this. But, I feel yeah. the same way yeah. about yeah. what you guys are saying. Uh, I do want to point out that yes. this is the first movie we've done by a female director. Oh wow. It is. Um yeah. and you know, it's kind of on us, but like mostly on Hollywood in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I was gonna say how many yeah. of the two hundred and seventy or however many were released. I think the other high profile one will be Boys Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. Boys Don't Cry is, the, is well there's yeah. You know, there are a few. There's uh, Forces of Nature was directed by a woman. Was it? Yeah, her name's Bronwyn something. Okay. Um, I liked Forces of Nature, but I haven't seen it since 1999. Yeah. yeah. Boys Don't Cry is another one, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and there are, f- there are, there are few, few more, but yeah. they're really, it's only a handful. Mm. I mean, um, sadly, 
Oh, hasn't yeah. hasn't changed that much. You know what I mean? Like, we're seeing more, but still, like... It's, it hasn't changed that, that much, We no. should have seen a much bigger swing. But. It's interesting, because this is a female director, but there's one female character, I think, in the whole Who film. Who barely speaks. Who barely speaks, yeah. yeah. Well, it's almost... And is also, like, also a character that, at the end, I'm just like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about you at the end of this you movie. Like, well, you're supposed to care, because she's one of the three people coming back who's about to get eaten. So you are supposed to... <laughs> you're supposed to, like, not want her to get eaten. Yeah. Ish. Got to, you got to, or else, like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. oh, it's almost like, and you know, not to like put everybody in their boxes, but it, it almost reminds me of Catherine Bigelow and that Catherine Bigelow made so many movies, sure. certainly before Zero Dark Thirty, that almost didn't have female actors in the cast. Yeah. Hmm. Like Hurt Locker, I think, just had like Angeline, uh, Evangeline Lily, Evangeline Lily for like one at scene. The end. Yeah. Oh, and wow. for the most yeah. part, like that's an entire, entirely male cast. Point yeah, Break had Lori Petty and oh, like yeah. a male cast, and like, yeah, um, you yeah. know, I I, I like that. I like I like having a female director comment on this yeah. is like couldn't be more toxic, toxic masculinity. Yeah, which there is are a couple theme. little scene, little touches in there that I th- thought were very like feminine. Like, there's a moment where David Arquette sort of. Like I know what a weird what a fucking like cast. strokes that woman's I don't yeah. know, from her, her her like yeah. head and it seems yeah. so like touching to me and I was like I wonder if that's like a female well there is something that- I mean here's what I and again I don't know the answers to this because we weren't obviously there but I don't know if if Milcho cast this entire movie because if he did like I hand it to him for a I really eclectic cast. cast so there's a part of me that feels like maybe there was some shifting and maybe mm. she pulled some people into it as well because it does have a very interesting sort of weirdly um, like they're not overtly masculine actors for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes. Do you know what I mean? It has a very interesting sort of texture to That's it, true. which mm-hmm. I think is, is also interesting. These mm-hmm. are soldiers and yet they don't feel like men that are necessarily fighting mm-hmm. wars. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. they don't feel like soldiers, um, which I think is interesting too. There's a couple reviews. I read a That's bunch. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Kevin. No, it is. I, whenever Kenny says that surprise. Well, I never, even, I never even thought of it. Like, yeah, but, I didn't think of it either. Yeah, no, true. that's that's true. That's true. They're, they are kind of like weakened yeah. men. You know, I'm thinking there's a scene where Jeremy Davies is the, the big gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's obviously another famous movie where Jeremy Davies has a big gun, right? And he uses it. You're speaking of Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And he is in Save for Private Ryan. He's in direct contrast to all yeah. the manly men. You have fucking Ben Diesel yeah. in that crew, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, among among a, a lot of other guys, you know, Tom Sizemore's in on that team, and uh, and Jeremy Davies is kind of meant to look like a wimp, but he doesn't really look out of place with these guys. That's true. You know, fits so, right in. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He and he also like. I mean, he's great in this movie mm. um, and also was great on Sleepy Hollow as well. <laughs> he was the villain in season four, but Love I think that. Guy. that um, the meal he makes out of he's he was licking oh, me. It's my favorite awesome. line is oh, the so fucking good. best. Yeah, because like that's and that's what I love about Jeremy Davies, who has not been in that many movies when mm-hmm. it, like all told, but like he is fucking great in Solaris in Soderbergh Solaris, which is like I a fantastic movie. movie, and he is so good. What he does in his just there's a, a, a sort of internal kind of like. Not even twitchiness to him, but just this very interesting way that he sees these characters. They feel almost like insects, if that makes any sense. Like he has yes. just this very kind of like interesting. It is a way twitchy he, kind of way. That's like and, under the. the yeah. It's it's in him. It's Absolutely. not on the surface at all. It's really cool. It's he's really a really cool guy. 
He's very interesting. Too. I have no yeah. doubt. <laughs> I have no doubt. Yeah, actually, we were uh, coming back from Comic Con, I guess, whatever year that was last year, yeah. and a bunch of uh, military men were at the airport, and they all took. Sh- turns sort of shaking his hand and thanking awesome. him for, for saving, saving private part. Ryan. Yeah. That's so cool. That's yeah. So cool. He's, I mean, that's the thing too. I guess that happens all the time. I, yeah, I assume he said it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's so good in saving private Ryan. Mm. And he's amazing. He's just, he's the heart of that movie. Yeah, he is the heart of that movie. And also has, in my opinion, the most heartbreaking moment in the movie when he does not go in to save Adam Goldberg and he's in the stairwell. It is without a doubt, <sighs> oh, the most heartbreaking yeah. moment of that movie. And it's a, it's a, he's just, yeah, anyway, he's fantastic. He's a great actor. Um, There's, I read obviously a bunch of reviews and a bunch of uh, really interesting criticism on this film, which there's a fair amount of, I mean, this is a movie that definitely has found its life now, you know, I mean, didn't in its, in its moment, but there's a lot of love for this movie online, which I think is great. Um, Ebert was one of the few critics who actually praised it at the time which unfortunately didn't move the needle as much as they would have liked. But he had this one line in it that I really love where he says, Ravenous is clever in the way it avoids mostly cliches of the vampire movie by using cannibalism and mostly cliches of the cannibal movie by using vampirism, (laughs) which I think is kind of great. Like it does find ways to do something new on both of those things, um, which isn't particularly easy. I mean, that that's hard to do. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's I, I do think it's really interesting in that regard. Uh, the vampirism, I mean, in this in the respect that I think that Carlyle is definitely channeling some some Dracula at the For end sure. of that movie. Mm. When he comes back all quaffed, quaffed with like mm-hmm. a black cloak, and he just he mm-hmm. looks like yeah, he looks like the devil. Um, Can we also talk about that mm-hmm. um, Ebert review and how there's a line in it that really bothered me? Oh. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know which, which uh, one you're referring he to. He says, he lists the cast yes. and the characters, and then, you know, gives a name to each of the characters, mm-hmm. and then just says, and some Indians. <laughs> like, it was 99. It was a different time. <laughs> like, he doesn't even name. And yeah, they're, and they, that's they not make, cool. Like, it's... Uh, <laughs> He's not uh, with yeah, us man. anymore, so he gets a pass. But I, <laughs> I guess I hear you. You that's, know, we, it's definitely funny. a problem. We, we go to Ebert a lot for <laughs> yeah. these movies, yeah. and like one out of every three, yeah. he'll say something. That we're just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> most specifically, American American Beauty. Beauty. That was oh, yeah. the one where we were like American Beauty. Basically, he's like, like Roger. Oh, we're all a little no. rapey, aren't we? It's like <laughs> it's like every man wants to have sex with a teenage girl, and you're like, no, yeah. Roger. Oh my god, draw yeah. the line yeah. somewhere. He's like, this is why this movie's good because <laughs> because it finally puts that into it's like finally someone said. It's like, you know, yeah. So yeah, there's really what he said. Uh, <laughs> so if, if Chaz is listening to this, you know, she doesn't get upset. <laughs> uh, the dissolve had a great article about this as well. I don't know if you guys read this. No, no. Uh, there was a really great line. Uh, the, uh, that eccentricity helps once, sorry, helps once it becomes clear that Ravenous is meant to function as a historical political allegory, using the survival of the fittest plot as an analog to the way the U.S. gobbled up land throughout the 19th century. The movie is really about Boyd's ethical crisis as he realizes that being a soldier and a cannibal means swallowing things he finds distasteful, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie obviously is is a parable for history and, and for any number of things that, you know, that have happened in this country. Um, but it's it's also just done in such a sort of tongue-in-cheek, biting, no pun intended way, I think there's something... I get it, though. Fuck you. (laughs) Um, 
I think that there's something interesting to that too. You know, this, it's not a coincidence that Ten Griffin, who, and we should talk about him in a second too, uh, chose the things that he chose. I think that, that this movie is very clever and very funny in a way that you don't really see nowadays mm. to the same extent anyway. Yeah, well, it kind of walks a line. Uh, very that, much so. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone... Well, it didn't work either. You know? No, it did make money. So, so I guess, I guess fun, that's right? why. <laughs> I mean, but we really watched done. it and we loved it. Yeah, so there yeah. you go. Well, that's well, something. You know, for what it's worth, we, we see so many movies from 99 where we'll say you could never or would never make this movie today. Yeah. I'd say that's the opposite with this. Mm-hmm. I think you still could... I think you would make it. I think you could make it. And I think it would be very well received these days. Yeah. It just... I mean, Raw just came out, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying Raw was some huge yeah. hit, but Raw was very well received. What was yeah. Raw? Raw was, Raw was the cannibal, cannibal movie. movie. Yeah, it came out last, last year. year. Yeah, the people really loved it. I have not seen it yet. I would like to see it. Yeah, it it's actually it. interesting. I just went to see, uh, this afternoon, I went to see Thoroughbreds. Oh, how was that? Which I actually quite liked. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it is interesting that I was sort of, as I've been sort of thinking a lot about dark comedies right now, we are seeing a little bit of a resurgence in that genre, which, to your point, I think you're probably right, that if this script, especially if Ted Griffin wrote the script today, for instance, you would have serious, interesting filmmakers kicking the tires on this thing and trying to find a way to make it. I agree with you on that. You know, as a writer, like the the thing that get, I think should be drilled into all of our heads is stand out, mm-hmm. right? Stand out. Don't make something that will just be on the pile of scripts because what you keep hearing is everybody in town has 100 scripts they have to read yep. every weekend. Yep. And they'll read – you know, I've heard the 10 pages thing my whole career. I don't yep. really believe that so much, but I do believe that people pick what they're going to read based on log lines. I agree and with I'd that. Way more be, I'd be way more likely to read something that says, you know, three, you know, is it during the Civil War, right? Right before the Civil War? Mm-hmm. It's the like, Spanish American yeah. War. Yeah, Spanish American. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. During yeah. the Spanish American War, you know, cannibalism yeah. and some weird yeah. fort, you know, in California. Okay, tell me what's going on. Yeah, there. So, I got to kind of turn yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and that's actually why I was excited to watch it too. I also think it's interesting. We talked a little bit earlier about Fox 2000, and it's interesting to, that Ravenous was one of ten films produced in '99 by Fox 2000, um, also including Fight Club, Pushing Tin, and Never mm. Been Kissed. Those are four very different movies, which I think is a testament to you know, the producers there, I think that, that they were looking to try to do a whole bunch of different things, which I think is, is cool. And you don't see that much of that nowadays. People kind of stick in their lane and they find a a brand for their company and they kind of stick with it. So I'm, I think that's really impressive. It's also, this was uh, one of David Heyman's first productions before producing the Harry Potter movies and Mm -hmm. has obviously gone on to be tremendously successful producer, which I think is also very interesting. Paddington. Paddington most no, recently. A beloved producer <laughs> now. A beloved producer. He gave us Paddington. Um, so let's, should we talk about sort of. We'll talk about Ted Griffin for a second. We yes, danced around yes, him a little bit. Yes, let's do that. Ted Griffin's kind of most famous for writing Ocean's Eleven. And Terriers. People love well, Terriers. Well, you know, I wouldn't call him most famous for writing I didn't say most famous but for it, but he, people he love did. that he show. Wrote, he, wrote, he wrote Ocean's Eleven, Matchstick Men. Yeah. Terriers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he got a writing credit on Wolf of Wall Street. I don't think he did, which probably did. meant that he did a rewrite yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming he makes $300,000 a week rewriting everyone else's stuff because there's very few people like him. Yeah. He's a really, really good writer. He's a really good. And, and like a smart writer that doesn't. How do I put this? A smart writer that makes the audience feel smart. 
Do you know what I'm saying? As opposed to a, a smart writer that makes the audience feel dumb. Yeah. Right. You know, I think that that's, you know, he's a fun writer that you're like, oh, I get it. It's like that old um, uh, Billy Wilder quote about if, uh, if you can help the audience put two and two together, they'll love you forever. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about that to Ty Griffin where he like allows you to sort of put the pieces together yeah. in a really kind of fun and clever way. Um, he also said that this script was inspired by the literary works of Dasher Lamet, specifically a passage from The Thin Man. Uh, where the story of Alfred Packer, a prospector who resorted to cannibalism, is recounted. Mm. Um, also, the English short story writer uh, Allard, Algernon Blackwood. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have read any of his stuff, but apparently he was an inspiration for this script, too. What did he? Oh, I'm I don't know any that. of his work, unfortunately. And obviously, the Donner Party was a big part of it, too. Mm. Do you want to talk about the Donner Party for a second? Shall we? Sure. Let's. Has anyone read... No. About them? I don't know know much about the Donner Party, unfortunately. I should, I guess. I'll run through it as as succinctly and accurately as possible. But basically, everyone's played the game. The The Willows. Sorry. No, no problem. That is... (laughs) (laughs) That's what you read? That was amazing. It is such a creepy... It's about these uh, two guys that go on this... The Willows? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. This... um, like canoe trip or something. And Uh then they end up in this really creepy grove willows that sort of the willows are alive to, yeah themselves okay cool it's it's really really creepy i listened to it um an audio book of it when i was driving and i was gonna say i started calling it out out of sleep so ben was driving i was i was listening um okay but yeah it's really creepy and i can totally see how that makes sense you mean ben your fiance my fiance oh, congratulations, congratulations. recently engaged yeah it's true i hate that word fiance i still call Sorry. it my boyfriend it. yeah it's okay you can say it i just don't boyfriend ben Boyfriend Ben. Yeah. 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 It's a longstanding Toronto, Quebec rivalry, right? No French words. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. I was yeah. like, he's you know from Canada Boston. Very well. <laughs> yeah. No French words here. So um, we won't talk about ballet or buffets or. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Donner Party. Donner Party. Yes, of course. Sorry. Sorry. So it's much great, more important than, than Lindy's engagement. But let's talk about some mass cannibalism. <laughs> Donner Party. We've all played the Oregon Trail game. Yes, and sure. we all know what that's based on. We've all died of dysentery dies, at some point. Or you know right. what the Oregon Trail is? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I know the Oregon Trail. You know the but, real Oregon Trail. But what's the game? You've never played the game? No. Did you go to school? Did I, I will say this. <laughs> I don't think the Oregon Trail was a big thing in Canada. No. Just to be clear. Yeah. I'm the not Oregon sure that it, Trail was a like a. I know a, of it a, only from living down here. From mm-hmm. from like memes. Memes, indeed. So the Oregon Trail <laughs> was like a. Uh, it was a like a video game, but like a learning video game. Oh, about going an educational on, game. An educational a learning game. video about game. A learning game. Yeah, it's Kenny a, didn't learn much. It's a learning machine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a learning. Yeah. It's where you, it's where you learn good. Sure, so sure. It's the uh, it's a game where you go from you know I think it's Independence, Missouri to mm-hmm. Oregon. Uh, on the trail. And it's, you know, it's point by point by point. The reason it's relevant is because that was the main trail people took to the West around this time, right? Around the time of like Manifest Destiny. Sure. The Donner Party made a turn to a new route. Mm-hmm. And they weren't crazy. There was like an idea. Yeah. There, was, there was a a, a a new route that went a different way, and it was lightly traveled, but it had been traveled. It just hadn't been traveled by a group their size. They had 87 people and, like, okay. literally 50 wagons. And basically, a lot of shit happened, but what ha- the worst thing that happened was winter came early. Mm-hmm. So winter came early, and a lot of people died. And these are people, like, a lot of children were in this party, a lot of women were in this party, and 87 people started, and about yeah. 40-something 
survived. And they still don't know where some, right? Like some of these people disappeared. Like it has sort of a Roanoke vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, well, bit. they were eaten. Yeah, okay, then cool. they just so, like yeah. eat. They were they, they were they, <laughs> okay. Talk not some right. of them died. Some of them died earlier. Like there okay. were there were like some crazy weird disputes. But I guess that was probably I assume that was probably pretty, you know, par for the course. Right, right, you know, right. Going going. Mm-hmm. These take six weeks to do these, or maybe it took six months. It took a long time to do these things. But point being, they ate people. Yeah, right. They were dying, and they ate people. Yeah. Is this uh, in the educational game as well? The learning game? Yeah. They don't, no, no, because it happened. <laughs> Less on the, of this, more dysentery. The, yeah, oh. mean, people die in the game. Like, yeah. Like, oh. but, but, uh, like you can die in the game. Like yeah. the, the, the meme is a lot of like, you died of dysentery. That seems to be like the thing that. Yeah, you go with like five people and like you basically all die of dysentery at some point. Oh. Yeah. But uh, shoot fun. your brains out until you yeah. die. It's awful. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that's what the Donner Party is. And like, I, I highly recommend reading the Wikipedia page because it's not just. People ate people. Like it gives you a sense of how harrowing this journey. Oh, I was. can imagine. Yeah, you're um, a changed person. Yeah, from like A to B. Yeah, you're. Well, anyway. the, the people who like settled California, you know, in one sense, it's kind of gross because of the manifest destiny of it mm-hmm. all, and like reclaiming the land. On another sense, like they went through some serious, serious horrible yeah. shit. Yeah, I the, think the movie really captured like that sort that of horror. Yeah. that horror as yeah. well. Like, it felt so cold and so remote. miserable and remote. And remote. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the, the the natural element of it, it actually made me think a little bit of The Revenant. Mm. Totally. You know what I mean? Of that just sort of, you know, Mother Nature just kicking your ass and this idea of there's something far larger at play here than these tiny little characters that exist in this, uh, in sort of a specs on this uh, grandiose scale, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, we should talk a little about uh, the whole Wendigo thing that exists mm. in the movie as well. Um, just sort of that like atmosphere take on the myth of the Wendigo. Um, although there isn't actually a, a traditional in, a sort of incarnation of this native American monster on screen. It's spoken of yeah. as though Carlisle is some sort of a Wendigo um, and that he's sort of um, grappling with some sort of transformation, if you will. I mean, certainly Boyd is dealing with that too. Um, so it's really more of a metaphor than it is an actual flesh and blood ghoul. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very interesting the way that they talk about that stuff. It, it it sort of taps into the spiritualism that exists in this movie too, of, uh, of, I mean, obviously of America having come here and, and, and sort of taken this land from the people that were here before and their sort of spiritual connections to it, I think is, is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, was that your episode, Sleepy Hollow? Did you write the Wendy? That was not. That no. was Heather Renier's episode. Oh, right. But, uh, right, right. Heather Renier, great writer. Yes. Hope to be on the pod someday. Hi, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the only other film of Antonia Birds that I've seen is Priest. Have you guys seen no. Priest? I did see it. I totally, I want to rewatch it. I saw it back in when it came out. I remember <laughs> working at a video store and watching it <laughs> and remember very little of it. But I do remember thinking that it it had a very sort of, it was very thoughtful. It had a very interesting tone to it. The lead actor was great. Um, it's a really beautiful movie. It's just a very simple, just, but it is a simple movie. Mm. Um, and with that in mind, I would say that the tone of this movie isn't totally suited to her, but I do think that she fully embraces it and wraps her arms around it and makes it sort of her own. But there are definitely are things about it that make me feel like that she sort of got thrown in the deep end a little bit on it. Yeah, you know what, what, like what? I, I just, there's there's a part of me that just feels like when you're inheriting something from somebody else and th- there's always going to be vestiges of whatever that production was that, that was handed to you. Um, but again, sort of the 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 tonal balancing act of this movie is, is really tough. And I think she handles it 
very, very well. Mm-hmm. But looking at Priest and then looking at this, I, she's not the first name that would have come to mind to think that she would be able to handle this. I think she does a very good job. But there is stuff sometimes from a production perspective, and this is going to be, this is super whatever. But oh, so I know exactly what to expect. What? You said it's super whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's very... Good I, preface, Phil. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what I was going to say is that it feels very inside baseball, but whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't love how brightly lit the movie is on the interiors. It mm. drives me actually a little bit crazy. Because of the time period? and The time period, and also it actually robs you of a lot of tone. It robs you of a mm. lot of, like, fear, and it, it's just... It, it's. When we're inside these cabins, it should be candlelight, it should be sunlight, it should be whatever. The actual circumstances were there. And again, I know this is nitpicky and stupid, but it also actually makes the movie look a little cheap at times. It does look cheap, doesn't it? Like, If you didn't have it so brightly lit, you could hide a lot of this shit. Yeah. But when you're blowing everything out. But the set deck is amazing. I mean, like, the sets are really cool. I wasn't, yeah, I'm not saying the production design isn't isn't top notch. I'm saying that it's just... It's, it is probably period accurate, which is that everything kind of looked like shit back then. Mm-hmm. So I get that. But especially when you light it so brightly, you just make it look that much shittier. And maybe that was the intent. I don't know. No, it's a, it's a, hard, it's a hard thing to... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. To um, decide to, to not light a room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To not light your actors. It's a hard mm-hmm. thing to, to kind of make that decision that you're not going to have everything you've paid for appear on right. camera, I right? Get that. So it's kind that of be a studio thing too. To your point, well, it's kind of an insecure move, sure. And uh, and I see where you're coming from. You know, this is kind of we're reading a little too much into this person's filmography, maybe, but this does seem a little out of her wheelhouse, a little bit. And um, you know, might have just been like, let's get it. Let, let's get it. Let's yeah. make sure we've gotten it. Instead yeah. of like the opposite, which would be a nightmare, we have to go back because you can't see anything. Right. No, I, and I, I, I listen. I get that. I I think that the most glaring ver- sort of portion of the film to me, with in regards to shooting during the day or shooting at night, is the end. I think the end should have been at night. Like mm-hmm. their fight in broad daylight just doesn't have the same power that it would have had in the script. They talked about how it was at night and, and it was a fight on the rooftops as the, as the mm. town was basically burning down around them, which obviously from production 
I'm assuming that from a budgetary, they decided not to do that, which is fine. Just having them kick the shit out of each other. I'm fine with that to a certain extent, but like have it be in front of a giant, like blazing pyre or something like that. Like it should be just, it should feel like we are in hell and it's hard when it's like an overcast sky outside. It just doesn't, it just doesn't have the same power. Well, that's a, that's a good point. But I think part of the reason they did that was just story reason. Like you wanted the ticking clock of we're eating the next people who comes over, who come over that hill. Sure. Right. That still can be at night. There's no reason why it needs to be during the day. It's hard. You know, it's hard at that time period to see them. Like that's the ticking clock. When they come here, if it's me it. and Jeffrey Jones alive, I'm, I'm Robert Carlyle now, of course. Yeah. Sure, of <laughs> course. And, if it's me and Jeffrey Jones alive, who yeah. obviously calls him by his actual name, not his character yeah. name, yeah. we are going to eat these three people. Which uh-huh. he says. He goes breakfast, lunch, and reinforcements instead of dinner, which I didn't understand. But, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay. It was like a heady joke. But yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, uh, I think that was at least part of it, but. They should have. I agree with you. They should have found a way to yeah, to to accomplish both those. Just ends. more candle. I mean, the, they could have. This come movie with is, is obviously feels like it's about purgatory, and it feels like it's between between sort of like not even just life and death, but good and evil. And it just feels like that speaks to fire. <laughs> like I just feel like there's just, well, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I wonder if that's just yeah. They just ran out of money. It might have just been that they ran yeah. out, of money, which is fire. Uh, I also think that so in her audio commentary, Antonia Bird said she wanted to bring Count Dracula to mind with tongue-in-cheek iconography, specifically <laughs> wolves howling nearby, nearby <laughs> crescent moon, all that sort of stuff, which you definitely feel in the movie, which I think adds to um, what she brings to it. Which is again, I think I think she was in on the joke. I don't think for a second that she was unaware of the movie she was making, which actually makes me wonder like what Milcha would have done with this movie. Like, I'm I don't know. I'm so curious. It I would love to see been, what yeah. he shot. Cause he did. Sh- he shot something. Yeah. But anyway, you want to talk about the plot? Yeah. Um, so before we get into the plot, the movie opens with a Nietzsche quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process, he does not become a monster followed by an anonymous quote eat me so it does feel like right out of the gate ted griffin yeah. is in on the like he knows oh, what yeah. he's doing and he's making i don't know i think he's having a lot of fun just you can tell just from the beginning um so our movie opens with is it him i'm sorry i literally just watched it but my brain is is a little bit fried in terms of it opens with boyd in the like actually physically in the middle of, of the war correct is that right or is it the no, dinner it's the dinner yeah when they're eating the uh, steaks and, okay, they go yes, sorry, it's, it's yes, intercut yes, with with the war with some scenes from the that's war. right that's but, why in my head i'm seeing the pop flashes of him on the battlefield right. um but yeah so but there is a sound yeah when those quotes come up there's like a like a uh yeah sword to, and yeah. then i ah so yeah, yeah. maybe it does go to the war and the credits themselves are pretty silly yeah, yeah. like like why are they like sliding across the screen it's a little silly but i mean i guess it's part of like you're in a, a comedy superhero yeah. or weird. something i don't it's know weird. they yeah. remind yeah. me of like b movies from the 80s that would be about cannibals and that oh, that's i would be, like physically like there's a trauma kind of quality trauma oh, kind yeah. Of yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I found this to be one of the more physically revolting <laughs> first three minutes of a movie i've ever seen oh, the yeah. way they're 
chomping into those steaks. Have you ever seen She's a vegetarian too, apparently. As is so. Guy Pierce. Oh, I've rough. never seen food look less appealing on screen <laughs> yeah. than yeah. I've seen this entire movie. But specifically, I fucking love steak. Yeah, me too. Oh, I've never <laughs> anything so disgusting. <laughs> I know yeah. it's awful. So they're cutting yeah. into these steaks that mm-hmm. look more like human hearts mm-hmm. than steaks. They're bloody as fuck. Bloody as fuck, and they're and gray somehow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The meat does not look appetizing yeah. at all. And like on some level, you could be like, well, you know, that was almost two hundred years ago. Maybe they didn't know what they were doing there. Right. But on another, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're all cutting it on these China-ish plates yeah. with their silverware. There's uh-huh. all these sounds of silverware cutting and every other guy at the table, and probably 20 breathing, guys. deep breathing, him yeah. like almost. Well, they've dialed up all the noises too. Yeah. Like everything and is it, just like oven yeah. 11. So and, you're just really feeling mm-hmm. every bite and every, it's really gross. And you know, this isn't one of those movies that says the title no. in the movie, but like, you are hearing during that scene ravenous, oh, ravenous, yeah. ravenous. Yeah. Like, it's the only it's way to describe the yeah. way these guys are eating. Yeah. Um, so according to Robert Carlyle's DVD commentary, vegetarian Guy Pierce stoically underwent multiple takes of eating the life-saving Knox stew that he eats at the end, mm-hmm. um, which has sort of lamb and all these various things in it. And he would <laughs> chomp into large chunks of meat and then spit them out as soon as they yelled cut. Why didn't they just make him a meat-free stew? I know. It's not like everyone does knew. cocaine in a movie is doing well, cocaine. Exactly. I, mean, well, I mean, Leo did eat like some weird fucking thing during Revenant. Didn't he eat like a spleen of some sort of really made a, big, a big stink well, out of it? Leo's then, a great actor. But Leo's I'm, also a vegetarian. No, I'm yeah. kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. He's a great actor. Good point, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> Good joke, Kenny. <laughs> uh, so we, so intercut into this eating sequence are pop flashes of Boyd on the battlefield being wounded and all these other people being wounded. Um, you definitely feel the budgetary constraints a little bit on those, that the war footage, it yeah. feels like there's like f- five guys <laughs> and it's shot so tight that you can't even, but it's still, it's still, you know, it's effective at what it's yeah. doing. Um, and then uh, essentially they, they, they send, sorry. Well, well, what's happening in that, in those pops yeah. are, we'll learn this later. We don't yeah, really yeah, need yeah. To, hit, to hit this when, when it's there. Who cares? You'll, You'll learn this later, what happened. Basically, you see pops of Guy Pierce's face yeah. just covered in, in blood. blood. Yeah. And it looks exactly like the meat he's eating. And it's framed like the meat he's eating. And the yeah. idea that I think you're getting at, it seems in the beginning the idea is like human meat, the same as buffalo meat. Like, yeah. you know, we're all just pieces of meat. But that's not what's actually happening plot-wise. What's actually happening plot-wise <laughs> is Guy Pierce is drinking the blood of yeah. all these dead people who are stacked on top, on top of him. Mm-hmm. We later learned that, that Guy Hell Pierce was- image. Yeah, he was faking Amazing. his death. Well, we see him do it, actually, in that, don't we, in that bit? I, he, he he just kind of lies down. Was it in the then, bit or was it later? He explained, we, oh, see him do it, we see him do it, and then it's explained a little bit. Right, we just see so he, later. All right, so he he later explains that yeah. he was playing dead. He wasn't a hero. He was yes. playing dead. He didn't know what else to do. He didn't really yeah. have any choice given the circumstances. Yeah. And he's stacked on the bottom of, it seems like four or five guys, dead yeah. guys are on top of him with their blood dripping down into his mouth. So gross. Mm-hmm. And what's critically important here that you'll later learn is he was only really able to pull himself out of that morass of people because he got the strength from, from the that, other yeah. people's blood. And that's the the one supernatural yeah. element of this movie. Mm-hmm. Eating people gives you super strength. It also feels like it. he got a taste for it. Well, that's what happens. Which is that too. Yeah. Which he's that's the curse. You get the strength, but then you also have this ravenous. Yeah. I know. Which is the Wendigo curse. I mean, yeah. That is definitely yeah. part of it. I love how like every piece of media about cannibalism is always like, now you got the taste. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go back now. <laughs> it's like, is it that good? <laughs> 
<laughs> we ever seen the episode of um, uh, Always Sunny? Always Sunny. Yeah. People so <laughs> good. Boy, yeah. all the human meat. Yeah. And they're just, they're yeah. just feeding. I got the hunger, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> and DeVito and Charlie just fiending for the human meat. It's so good. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I guess that's a parody, but also, like, there's there's so little yeah. by the way of oh, cannibal meat. Yeah. Where I'm like, no, this is just part of <laughs> this is just part of the lore. Like, yeah. That's just, what it is. Yeah. Just eat people. You and have one bite, you're people. fucked. And you're, yeah. Yeah. It's nothing you can do. Nothing All you we'll lust do. for it. Dahmer just wanted more people. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. not even media. That's just that's fact. just fact. That's just yeah. fact. Yeah. So uh, so at that point, he's essentially sent away. Right. He's sent to this this because camp. John Spencer, who's like his commanding officer, yeah. knows that he's not actually a hero. And he's like yeah. kind of a famous hero at this point because right. he took down this battalion of Spanish. A Spanish army battalion himself, yeah. yep. almost by accident. Like he was able to sneak behind them because they thought he was dead and weren't afraid of him. Mm-hmm. But he's he's like a famous war hero at this time, so they can't kill him. So they banish him, right, to some weird fort in out California. In, in California, <laughs> and that's did they just have these fort? Like, what was the purpose of this I, fort? I didn't I really know. get. I think it's a reinforcement fort for to just hold ground. Essentially, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's just. Um, Although there's not many people there. Yeah. I don't know what well, real purpose they serve. Later, Jeffrey Jones, who we'll have to talk about, you know, just to add to the list of people you really shouldn't talk about yeah, anymore. People that shouldn't exist anymore. Jeffrey Jones um, <laughs> says something I absolutely love in uh-huh. this movie, uh, which is, you know, skip ahead a little bit. When Robert Carl- Carlyle comes and speaks to the person who yeah. is trapped, mm-hmm. he insists that the men go and save this woman mm-hmm. because it's our job. And he keeps mm-hmm. going, it's yeah. our job, it's our job. Yeah. I love that sentiment, mm-hmm. you know? I think that's what you want out of people like that. For and sure. Even though it sucks and you're going to have to go find cat, fight cannibals potentially, and you have to go through the woods for three days in the mm-hmm. snow, it's your job. That's yeah. why you're there. Yeah. You know, and that's like what Jeremy Davies and Saving Private Ryan didn't do. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's so tragic. But- it's really tragic. Mm. Uh, Jeffrey Jones also feels like he's playing a pretty similar role to the one he's going to play in Sleepy Hollow <laughs> later this year. Oh, yeah. Just in terms of that kind of stodgy kind of, I don't know. He just, I, 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 part of it is also that their time periods are relatively close to one another. So mm-hmm. he just looks like he's wearing similar garb and costume and makeup and hair and all that. Um, so I also loved in Jeffrey Jones's speech when he's talking about the different guys that we get the cutaways to the different guys mm-hmm. and then we get to see, you know, David Arquette's smoking, smoking up. What's he even doing there? I don't even. (laughs) What is David Arquette doing in this movie? Yeah. That was like. It's, I mean. I'm knocking it down 10 full points for his presence (laughs) to be honest. He's fine, but I'm just like, what are you doing in this movie? Uh, Then you've got uh, Jeremy Davies, who we also, we also popped to. And then we popped to um, Neil McDonough. So Jeremy Davies is like the Bible guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's a there. religious guy, I guess. I like that he's the musician as well. He's like writing hymns. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then Neil McDonough is like, just like a crazy like soldier. A crazy guy. He's just like standing in a brook just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I love super, that. just flexing his weird. muscles. Just like, so yeah, it would yeah. actually make sense to me because that's who, <laughs> that's who they would send there and that's how you would react. If no, you for were, sure, for sure. You just, yeah, you lose your mind. So, yeah, I mean, that image, again, because I think it's around this point that we actually, that Boyd actually explains that he was a coward and that he ran away. Seeing that image of him underneath these bodies is pretty harrowing like it's sort of the moment it's it's an image that kind of gets burned in your brain from the movie pretty quickly um so it's awesome it's one of the first it's it's one of the many things that this movie does that i'd never seen in another movie yeah um i love that about this movie so so then they find calhoun 
I think it's pretty shortly thereafter. He's, I mean, obviously he's, he's introduced to everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty quick. It's pretty quick at that point. And they've, and Calhoun shows up. There's a jump scare when he like sort of shows up outside the window. <laughs> it's a weird jump so scare. So it's like, yeah, oh, totally okay. Nice. Yeah. But the music also at this point is killing it, right? Like it is just really, when, when Boyd gets to the camp, uh-huh. and you're just like, the music just really, the movie comes to life when the music is really kicking in for me anyway. Like oh, it just sure. feels like it's, it gives the movie a jolt. The tension that is built from it. Absolutely. I mean, that we're, I mean, we haven't gotten the there humor. yet, but when they go out to yeah. the humor, right? Yeah. 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 We're, it's just, it's, it, it it's, it, I mean, listen, everyone knows that or not everyone, but generally speaking, you don't as an audience member know how to feel until the music is in there. Mm-hmm. I've seen cuts of things without the music and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's good. But then the music comes in, you're like, oh, now I know it's how to critically feel. Important. It's beyond critically important. Yeah. And sometimes it's used as a crutch, and sometimes it isn't. But in this movie, I can't even imagine threading the needles this movie does without this score. Impossible. Because I think it, just, it, it would have been nearly impossible. Uh, so anyway, so Calhoun shows up and tells them this crazy story about this stagecoach. I really like that monologue. It's great. And, yeah. he, and he's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, again... Carlyle in this movie is doing something pretty extraordinary of before we find out he's crazy to when he's crazy, but just sort of, he doesn't go over the top with it. You know what I mean? Like Robert Carlyle, who who has played a Bond villain, <laughs> does not go there. You know what I mean? He And and look at him in Train Spotting or look at him in the Full Monty. Like he's got, he's a really underrated talent. Totally. Mm-hmm. And he's really fucking good in this movie. I just saw him in something recently. Was we, did we watch him in a 99 movie already? Mm, I don't think so. Did we? Not yet. Uh, <laughs> I definitely saw him something recently. I'll look it up later. Okay. Um, but he's fantastic. And that monologue, he's great. And mm-hmm. also what's interesting too is that monologue doesn't cut away much. No. You're just on his face telling us a story. But not, I mean, not a little bit, but not as much as you would expect. It's really dark in that room at that time, isn't it? Yeah. It is a dark. It is dark. Yeah. So, One time it's yeah. dark. <laughs> yeah, Phil. Sorry. Because I, I just remember the candlelight sort of flickering yes, against his face. Yes, yeah, and the, yeah, the flame yeah. from the totally. stew. Yeah. yeah. I got to tell you, I'm not crazy about his plan. <laughs> his plan? No, I, I'm just, it's not a great plan. I'm not crazy. It's better than uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s plan in Chill Factor. What plan? But <laughs> I, I'm it's not, not a good plan. I, oh, like, it worked. <laughs> it has to do with ice cream. And it has to do with ice cream, yes. I have and not seen this movie. So really, don't. Yeah. I tell you something. My son hates ice cream. Really? <laughs> He's five years old. And like, he like, he freaks out when we, when, when, when we're around ice cream. He's just like... <laughs> Why would I eat ice cream? It's like literally the grossest thing in the entire world. I'm like, ice cream? What's going on here? Yeah. He dis- Your son's broken. He despised. Well, I don't like cheese. So oh. he, he might really be broken hereditarily speaking, but okay. That's, he doesn't like <laughs> One of these days, we just need to dedicate an episode like of this podcast to you and cheese and just like break How it down. How do you not like cheese? Like any cheese? You no. don't like any no type cheese, of no cheese? No pizza. It's crazy. That's it. No it's more listeners. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. That's it. And we're done. I think we I'm going to leave. Yeah. yeah. You should probably go. Yeah. That's probably <laughs> a lot of people feel. <laughs> but uh, his plan, you know, is basically he didn't have to include elements of the real story no. to get people back to the it hurts. But he's, but he's, but he's playing with them. I mean, he's having fun. He's That's twi- the way it's I... It's a little bit yeah. of like cat with a ball yeah. of string sort of thing. Bit. It just, it, it felt to me, it, to me, it felt like honestly, like like one of the cardinal sins of screenwriting, which is it was for the audience. Yeah, like 
He, yeah. he just no, wanted to give that. us real pieces of information to tell us how it was really going. Mm-hmm. When in real life, he would probably come up with some other reason to get them trapped in a cave. Yeah, there was absolutely no. Yeah. And then I, what really bothered me was like, they figure it out by counting the bodies back at the yeah. at the cave. They're like, oh, wait, no, he must be one of them. I'm like, well, yeah, that's not really. Right. As, we, as well, we can attest mm-hmm. in Show Factor, math is never a good thing to incorporate in no. your scripts. <laughs> but also like basing the story, basing your revelation on the story of yes. a liar, yeah. a yeah. person you know to be a liar yeah. at this point. Yeah. Is, it's problematic. Yeah, so that, it's problematic. You know, that's... And, this is what's so cool about this movie is usually that kind of shit like drives me nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie's so tonally yes. consistent and so yeah. thematically consistent yes. uh, that it doesn't bother me yeah. mm-hmm. nearly as much as it would in another movie. Like, well, it's it's, it's, totally it's funny you should say that because I was I was uh, relating to my roommate this morning one of the things that Hunter said in the in, in the Chill Factor episode. I've been thinking about that You've constantly. Really? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Which is that Hunter has this really great moment where he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically. Tone is everything. Mm-hmm. Like if the tone of your movie or your television show is on the money and the vision is there, people don't give a fuck about the bumps in the road in terms of logic and what have you. And I think that this is a prime example of that, of a movie that you're just sort of like, and and also a really hard tone to, to do. But somehow you go along with this ride, even though in your heart you're like, I'm not sure this makes sense. But it's like, the reason I bring it up is I was watching Beetlejuice. It was on TV today. <sighs> Which is a perfect movie, in my opinion. It's the best. And it makes, like, no sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you actually try to logic out what's going on in that movie, you're like, wait, they go to Saturn? There's sandworms? (laughs) Wait, what's happening? But it's just just great. And it it just works because the, the, the tone and the vision and all of it is so, you know, encapsulating and so intriguing that you're just in. It makes me wonder, so, like, maybe she is the was the perfect director to do this because... Maybe. You yeah. know, she's so sort of out yeah. of left field for, I mean... For sure. How do you even, like... I don't, I don't know how much of the tone was, like, established, like, before right, right, they started right. shooting, or if it's something that sort of happened, like, by I mean, accident? Who, who knows? Or? But this movie, maybe more so than any movie we've covered thus far, I would say... I don't know because it mm-hmm. feels like the vision of this movie was kind of bifurcated in a bunch of different directions mm-hmm. in a way that like there was not you. There are countless movies where you have a filmmaker or a writer or an actor or a producer and they're not all on the same page, but to sort of lose a director and like when things, when, when the, the stewardship goes away, things who the hell knows what comes out of it, which is why it's a miracle. This movie works. I don't think I would have noticed if it wasn't for reading about this. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I would have noticed that there were bumps in, mm. in the making of this movie. I think mm-hmm. it's, a, I think it holds that's together even with the two different scores. I loved it. It felt like decisions mm-hmm. to me. It felt like yeah. interesting decisions made by a modern filmmaker. So, yeah, I agree with you, Lindy. I mm-hmm. think that maybe she was the perfect person. Um, I mean, listen, and I, she might be. We've got a great movie on our hands that we yeah. love. So, like, who? I mean, and it's weird. It's too bad that this like didn't do well, yeah, commercially, and that it didn't do it didn't do particularly well critically no. either. It did, which is yeah. weird. No, I don't get that either. But I will say the. The branding, if you can call it, like the the, yeah. the posters are terrible. Oh my god, the marketing like, is marketing well, the marketing is, just, is it's basically non-existent. Yeah. Does anyone want to say what the poster says? You are who you eat is yeah. the tagline of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's on board. Rob's like, hey, that's not bad. Here's what I will Rob, say though. Have you seen this movie? No. I've no. never heard of it. It's no. a great movie. Uh, no. yeah. You should check it out. 
Mm-hmm. If you have it's, it's on the list. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Right what after, I do think- right after does Austin Powers spy shagged me. But, <laughs> but here's what I will say though, because you just said um, it wasn't critically particularly liked at the time either. I'm finding more and more that the movies, the greatest or the best movies that came out of '99 were not necessarily the most critically lauded at the time it's either. Funny, huh? Which some is of, te- some of them. There's like there's the there's that top tier of shit that like was loved then and we love like being John Malkovich and Magnolia. Mm-hmm. And I, Magnolia, I mean, it was it wasn't loved when it came out. It had critical fans, and yeah. it won actually uh, the Toronto Critics Circle Award at the time. <laughs> but I and and I, you know, obviously Ebert had it on his top ten list, and I think people liked it. But I don't think that that movie got the love necessarily that people expected. It well, was we, fe- I mean, we feel basically it's oh, one of like the God. greatest masterpieces ever made. Yeah, no, I, we we believe people that. didn't say that, but they did not say that at the time. People kind of did say that about. I mean, John Election Malkovich. is another movie that did not get the love. I mean, Galaxy Quest, I mean, Galaxy we, Quest, we, Office oh, Space. Man. We can keep yeah. going of movies that there at were the a, time there was this massive kind of right. Mi- there was like this massive middle class of movies that yes. were at the time looked at as whatevers. And are very clearly brilliant classics today. Yeah, that's so funny. So. I mean, also really tonally distinct movies, right? You know, like but also comedies, which yeah. is also this weird thing too. Where I think that there was sort of this, and maybe it's a testament to where we are now and where we were then. But like this sort of, how can I put this? This kind of comedy was very binary. It felt like in '99, whereas now I think maybe the, the spectrum of comedy might be a little bit broader. Do you know what I mean? I think that they're just, I, I think that if you look at Galaxy Quest, Office Space, and and uh, an Election, those are three very different comedies. And that's kind of, I don't know. I wonder if if comedy was just struggling at the time. There was a lot of teen stuff. There was a lot of broader comedies. Austin Powers is doing very well. Yeah, those, get, those, you know? yeah but those three movies are great. Just they are great. You know, I'm I'm, yeah. they're, they're great because they're very specific comedies yeah. made by people who aren't, who aren't, who aren't yeah, yeah, trying yeah. Yes, 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 to yes, like yes. fucking... Do stupid shit in movies. Like right? Wild Wild West, you mean? <laughs> well, Wild Wild West is really stupid. But I, I'm I'm more thinking about the stuff we get all the time today. You know, like the same six filmmakers making the same six mm-hmm. movies over and over again. Do you mean that on a comedy? On or a com- specifically comedy? Specifically comedy. Like, you do get sometimes these, like, indie gems. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, and this has been the story for, like, 15 years. Like, it's the, there's six people who are allowed to make comedies. And, you know, like... Yeah, I do both comedy and drama. And basically, mm-hmm. like, whenever I have a comedy script, it's like, all right, we can get this. I don't even want to say their names, but, like, we all know who they are. You can get this person, this person, this yeah. person, or this person to produce it, or else you don't have a movie. Yeah. It's just like, are you fucking It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, yeah, which isn't the case for almost any other genre, yeah. and clearly wasn't the case back then. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I mean, yes. I, this, yeah. This movie was in a weird place, though. Like, it's also crazy to think that, like, this was before Ted Griffin was Ted Griffin. This you know is his I mean? first movie. Which is so crazy to think wow. that this was like back then. I mean, um, so okay, so we're he's just we're we're now on the journey with. Sorry, first we have Jeremy Davies screaming, "He was licking me," and then we go because <laughs> we're the, on the journey, and then we're on the journey. Okay, I think he licks him on the journey. He does, yeah, yeah. because he tent, has like, to get injured. Yeah, yeah. How yes. does he get injured? He falls. He, fa- he falls. Oh, he falls off one yeah. of the, the rocks. So he's, so he's got a bloody belly and then And then he licks him. Yeah. Uh, you think he's... That was a weird... Like, how do you... I mean, Carlisle does the best he can. Yeah. But there's a part of me that's like, there's no... <laughs> there's no response to that. Like, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Like, I don't... I mean... That's, you know, that's that's the... Just to get back on the plot bullshit, that's the, the, the logic bullshit. That's the yeah. one reason I could think of that he actually said, like... 
I even ate some myself, which right, he did. Right, 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 right. Because he's like, I'm such a fiend. If there's any blood, I won't be able to resist myself. I'm going to need a <laughs> He needs excuse. it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, there should be any blood yeah. anywhere. Because yeah. like, I'll just start licking. Yeah. So, and he does. He's like, as soon as he gets he's caught, like, he's like, all right, my I bad. did it. Yeah. My bad. I, I did it. I can't help myself. You no, were did he say he was having a dream or something? And he, yeah, and he yeah, woke yeah, up like and his lips were like on the. It's crazy. And then he says, you know, restrain me. Yeah. You know, like, which is kind of a weird thing considering his plan, but. Really weird. That's I have to say, I think my favorite scene of the movie is when they put to put two and two together about that it's a trap and that would and the music's going oh, fucking so bonkers ding, 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 and Carlisle's digging in the ground to get- you have no idea like there's <laughs> no the reason best. for that but it's so good <laughs> it's like he's best. not digging to anywhere for any reason no, no, at all no he's digging for a knife oh he got a he knife, a knife. Oh, okay because yeah. I was like I was it's thinking like, about how much I love that yeah, and then I was like Wait, why was he yeah. digging? But it was the knife. The, right. the music, the digging, it's just like, what is that? And the bones, it's just like, oh, that to so me good. is just the best part of this movie. It That's, feels like the climax of the film, and then there's still like another hour know, after like that. 40, like 45 oh. minutes to an hour. Yeah. yeah. That scene's as good as movie making gets. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. I was sitting there. I, I was, I was yeah. breathing heavily. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat. That's great. Again, we do this like fucking every week. And yeah. so... So rarely do you get that feeling, and I loved it. That's yeah. truly one of the best it's, scenes of the year. So it really is, awesome. and it's it's a scene that I mean I don't know about you, but I couldn't help but smile watching it. Oh, like yeah. when you're just like this, just gleefully seeing. Loved it. You know what I mean? A movie in the pocket doing what it's doing. It's just it's fantastic. so great. I actually so great. watched it, rewatched it with a friend of mine who had never seen it, mm-hmm. and just watching her reaction was so great. She was <laughs> it's like, "It's great." <gasps> yeah, you know, just clutching her. It's crazy. And, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. Um, I also love. The way that Carlisle plays the journey in terms of sort of, to your point, prior to the licking, there's this woundedness, this brokenness to him. He seems like a, a man who's just sort of at his, you know, at his lowest point. He's seen some shit. Mm-hmm. He's seen some shit. Um, love his goggles. <laughs> yeah. He's got like these steampunk goggles. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I'm just like, that love made me, it. That made me think Wild Wild West too. <laughs> <laughs> Which are great. Um, and then just, so then you have the Neil McDonough confrontation because like guy pierce bolts basically and then there's like the the they're on like the right yeah. they're on the top of that hill yeah the top he, of that rock. does he just bolt so he so in this moment we see three characters die i think right like we see we think we see three characters mm-hmm. die. yeah we see I mean, it's true george but then i the, think they're chasing after him right they're trying to find carlisle but then carlisle gets the jump on them yeah is well, that? what's his name? Blondie falls Neil down McDonough. the ditch. Yeah. Neil McDonough. Um, well, he gets shot or stabbed and then pushed off of there. Well, let's, mm. so we'll, let's talk about that in a sec because that's the end of this sequence. Oh, yeah, yeah that's okay. true. But, um, I kind of forget how it goes. Yeah, George dies. George dies. Uh, Jeffrey Jones gets stabbed. Jeffrey Jones stabbed, right? Yeah. In his, yeah. In, and I do want to say one thing about Jeffrey Jones before like, he dies for a moment. <laughs> Um, and again, he is on the list of like horrible people. Um, he's one of the original horrible people. He is. He really is. But um, he's so good in this movie. Yeah, I know. Like he's yeah, like is. he has this kind of detached sarcasm and wit mm-hmm. that lends it that that sets the tone for this portion of the movie. Um, and he also has those weird stoicism and this weird call to duty. Yeah. Um, and despite That's being, true. you know, Jeffrey Jones being the, you know, the the principal from Ferris Bueller and yeah. kind of like effeminate's not really the right word, but like he's it's kind a softness of or softness. Something. There is exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a softness to him. He still has this weird nobility to him. 
He does. And this, this dignity, yeah. it, mm-hmm. like, that's it. I hate praising this fucking yeah. guy. I know. Because he's a, he's a real monster, but like, he's a real monster. If you, if you, if you detach yourself, remove, divorce yourself, is really what I want to say. You want to divorce yes. yourself from like who this man is and he's see a, a good performance. Really mm-hmm. good performance, yeah. really good character, really great and kind character. of, a, kind of a, a rough death. He's not, he gets, he's not bad in Sleepy Hollow as well. Like, he was a good actor. I mean, you know, he was in Amadeus. Like, this guy's like... <clears throat> yeah. True, he was. Yeah, like, he really had yeah. quite a career before he, he did, you know... Before he became... Pissed well, it all away. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. So, Guy Pierce, the bottom of the hill, with a dead Neil McDonough, says, God damn you, you're dead now, you're safe now. Mm. Wow. So, Guy Pierce... <laughs> great line. Ru- is, is, is cornered by Robert Carl- Carlyle yeah. on a cliff. Right. And he jumps, jumps off, off the cliff. Yeah. And hits every tree. Mm. And should be very dead. It's an And he's falling down the bed. It's like Flinko. It's so awesome the way they do it. And it lasts for a while. Three times as long as you think it's possible for a person to fall down hitting every branch of a tree. And he falls and he rolls down a hill, down a hill, down a hill into a ditch. And then Neil McDonough does the same thing. And he. Oh no, Neil McDonough dies first. He dies yeah. first. Then they roll over each other yes. as they're going down this hill. Yes. And then Guy Pierce falls in a hole first. Neil McDonough falls into the hole after him. He gets caught by his foot and yeah. you think he's dead. And then he starts strangling Guy Pierce. Yeah. This sequence is so fucking cool. It's crazy. It's, so it's awesome. crazy. Like, oh God. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I have such. Such I give such credit, I have such respect for throwing everything against the wall and having it all stick and work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. I scene. totally agree. So, I also love that they leave Guy in this hole for for a beat. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they really let him stew in there. And you there's a part of me that I mean, obviously just based on running time, I knew he wasn't gonna die in there. But you're kind of left to wonder, like, what's this what's his next move? Like what's he supposed to and you know, he he crawls out of there barely alive and gets back to the the I guess the encampment or he does back to the camp. Eat him. Right? Yep. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he yeah, gets his power. That. He gets his power. Oh, that's right. It's always yeah. with the he, fucking he, power. He, he's always with the eating. <laughs> he gets some leg, leg well, meat. Well, that's what's kind of beautiful about the it. It's like, like meat. Yeah. yeah he just rips into, he rips into Neil McDonough's like leg. either die or, but he can't just die because this monster's <laughs> out there. So he's got to be the hero again. He's, so he's good. the cowardly hero yeah. again. There yeah. is. Yeah. There definitely is the reluctant hero. Mm hmm. To Boyd in, in like the best possible way of a guy who's like, fuck, okay, I guess I got to eat this guy so mm-hmm. I can get out of here and mm-hmm. kill the kill real this, bad guy. Kill the real bad guy. But also like, I'm the bad guy too. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. Great, great parable for war and all mm-hmm. of it. It's just great. Um, and then there's the great reveal when he gets back to the camp and Carlisle is there. Oh, we forgot a character. There's the, but that drunk, the other, there's Knox. another guy, Knox. Yeah. The he, drunk guy. Yeah. Oh, right. Who kind of just all of a sudden becomes sober enough to like be a bad guy to say like oh I don't two and two together and then die yeah yeah Yeah. his character sort of doesn't really track very well for me he basically all I can remember of importance is that he tells he is he doesn't believe Boyd's story so it makes it harder for yeah like when the the other party shows up. Is he the guy? So he's a bit of yeah. He's kind of an obstacle. Yeah, he's yeah, a bit of an obstacle. Jeffrey Jones but it's not says, necessary. There could have just been no one there, and it would have been the same result. Yeah, or anybody, yeah. right? Yeah. No, yeah, Je- Jeffrey Jones says, yeah. um, "You're third in command," and mm-hmm. it wasn't clear as he's going through the litany of the other people there who was second in command because yeah. Knox is like you know. David Arquette's like high all the time, and Jeremy Davies is a spiritual yeah. guy, and Neil McDonough's crazy, and Neil and 
Knox mm-hmm. is drunk all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's a drunkard. So I didn't know who the second in command was, but I think <laughs> that's who he, that's, I think that's what it was. Oh. That Knox was the second in command. So when Boyd goes back, Boyd being Guy Pierce, when mm-hmm. Boyd goes back, that's who he has to explain himself to. Right. And this that guy all of a sudden. Okay. And that's why I stayed behind because there had to be someone there to like. Yeah. Mind the fort. Mind the sure. Fort. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little hinky. Mm. It doesn't totally make sense. But. Well, you know, there's the whole thing is basically like this movie's amazing for 45 minutes mm-hmm. and then not amazing for 45 minutes. Not bad. Yeah. But like but bumpy. Bumpy and different. Yeah. And well, there, there is a part of me too, as they were on the journey, because again, I saw this movie in 99, but I didn't really remember it. Uh, I was like, oh fuck. Like, is this movie just a journey movie? And like, mm-hmm. he's just, and Carlisle is going to have them all turn on each other and he's going to like eat them one by one or whatever. And I was like, I'm game for that. And then it didn't do that. It yeah. turned it to something. I, I would say it kind of bit off a little bit more than it could chew in terms of. I'm I sorry. get that. I get that. That's yeah, good yeah, sorry. It's, it's all right. It's not great. <laughs> I, I didn't love it. Um, <laughs> fuck you. Um, I'm not a comedy writer, right? Uh, in terms okay. of. That it, it, We're making it work. It, well tries, it tries a little. It's, it's, it's reach exceeds its grasp at the end in those mm-hmm. last 45 minutes of just trying to sort of do a lot of things and, and, and you know, whether it was budgetary or otherwise doesn't totally stick the landing. No, but I do think that the first 45 are so fucking good mm-hmm. that it makes up for any sort of inconsistencies that might exist in the tail half of it. Um, so anyway, we get back to the camp. Uh, Boyd gets there, tells, regales them with this, you know, crazy story of which Spencer doesn't believe John Spencer again, doesn't believe him. Yeah. And then Carlo comes in like all decked out and is like, you know, in his soldier, oh, in yeah, his he's uniform. like, we've, we've got this new guy to yeah. take over the. And Guy yeah. is like, what the? And he's like, yeah. cowering in the fucking corner, and he's yeah. like, losing his mind. Colonel Ives, you're right. Colonel Ives, you're Dracula, right? <laughs> so yeah. it turns out like Ives is kind of important in the military, a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. He definitely like outranks Boyd, yeah. which wasn't clear the whole time. No, mm-hmm. which is also a great reveal. A great the, reveal. the reveals, by the way, in the tale forty five are not bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the way that they're executed that gets a little muddy. Yeah. They're kind of the typical horror thriller reveals, you yeah. know, like it's, all, it's not the best example, but it's the example I could think of. Mm-hmm. You saw Spider-Man this year, Homecoming? Yeah, Actually, Homecoming. Oh, then I'm not going to give away the reveal on that. That's okay. I'm over it. <laughs> if, if, it was fun though. It's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I like that it's guy. Awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really yeah. cute. It's, it's awesome. awesome. The, it might be the best Spider-Man. The people, who have, the people who have seen the movie will know the reveal I'm talking about, but a character, mm-hmm. a, a, a character, basically. <laughs> it's not really that much of a reveal. You can just say it. It's fine. Well, the reveal is that Michael Keaton, who's the villain throughout the movie, is also <laughs> Spider-Man's girlfriend's father. father. And you yeah. know. <laughs> okay. If everyone could have seen Lindy's face, well, it was kind it, of amazing. Well, it's very unexpected, and it also it was put, that Lindy didn't give a shit. Not that yeah. she was that surprised. It also uh, you don't know what the whole movie, but it also puts Spider Man in, in a position where he can't just kill his so great. villain. Whatever. No, I love that you're talking. But great. there are other movies like that where you just turn around. And it's like, oh my god, the killer the whole time was the chief of police. The right. killer the whole time yeah. was you know. The president of James Cromwell and, in, in LA Confidential. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, for a Any like Benedictions, other. Boyo? But that's a really good it's the, example. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, it's, that, the, it's the best possible yes. example of it working. Uh, and that, it, that's, it has that same exact kind of feel where you yeah. know, the, 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 the criminal the whole time, the villain the whole time was this guy who outranks me that yeah. everybody in yeah. the Which is trusts great. over me. Yeah. And now um, I'm like made to listen to him or yeah. Do, yeah. So that's, well, that's, I mean, I, I think that what the movie does do very well is power machinations in terms of 
the military and, and rank and all that sort of stuff in a very interesting way and very naturalistic sort of and kind of terrifying way by putting Robert Carlyle in this sort of power position over him. Uh, it makes him that much scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the fact that he looks so suave when he comes back, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's in great shape. He's eating a lot of people. Yeah, he's, he's, he's eating a lot of people. Good. It's all shaved, and I think, or maybe. He, yeah, no, he's shaved except for his mustache. Mm. Yeah. So he shaved his face. Yeah, and you know, he, what also kind of needs to be said is like he doesn't actually. He has a, a plan different than what you'd expect. His plan isn't to eat Boyd. No, Mm-mm. his plan is to have Boyd join him as a people leader. Yeah, he wants a pal. Yeah. Yeah. He he has a pal. Yeah. Who oh, we'll yeah, yeah. But he he knows he needs yeah. he needs a group of people mm-hmm. to eat people. Right? Well, there's also a little bit of like this is where the vampire kind of mythos comes into play a little mm-hmm. bit. It did make me think a little bit of Lestat and Louis from uh, Interview with the Vampire, yeah, totally. um, and that sort of dynamic of him wanting, you know, a, a student or a, you know, an apprentice of some sort, like wanting to kind of teach someone the ways of being a cannibal, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting too. And It's and, not as fun to eat alone. Right? No, no one likes to eat yeah. alone. It's sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, I, you I know. don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give me a good book, I guess. And I'm Kenny's fine, married but. with three kids. He really wants to eat alone. <laughs> He's like, there's silence right now. Yeah. <laughs> Found out uh, mm. my wife's my wife doesn't listen to this podcast very often at all. A oh. little bit, she has here and there, but okay. her best friend has listened to every episode. So, hi, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Let's, let's keep this between us. <laughs> <laughs> so, the twist at this point mm. is that Jeffrey Jones isn't dead. I'm not really sure how they faked his death. The, the stabbing is tricky. But yeah, well, they, I think they, they he, yeah, he got, he ate some, he oh ate some God, people and it really, that's the movie. The movie I is, know, the, the movie is like, that there is a secret health s- serum. It cured Car- Carlisle's tuberculosis. So, I mean, it can cure stab yeah. wounds, and it, right? And it cured <laughs> Guy Pearson, I believe, three occasions. Yeah. Guys, so, yeah. I think we're, we should be eating people. I, the takeaway from this movie is mm-hmm. why aren't we eating people? The question is, yeah. which person? <laughs> oh, who? I mean, who, who my stomach just growled. Like, actually, <laughs> yeah, just growled because yeah, you're fiending. You need it. It's amazing. <laughs> who do? Who? Who? Let's. The let's, first one to eat, Donald Trump. God, no. No, that's yeah. I mean, I understand the first. I don't even want to say this. You might get a visit from the FBI, but Robin's <laughs> yeah. like, like, guys, 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 be careful. Next topic. Careful. Move it along. We should. I would love to play the Who Would You Eat game. Yeah. yeah. Um, we can do, you know we, what? We Let's to? marinate on that. Okay. Shall okay. we? Do you want to eat muscle or fat? <laughs> do you want to eat muscle or fat? Yeah. I mean, why does it have to be, I mean, why does it have to be one or the other? Yeah. Can't you have a little bit of both? Well, then you're saying dark meat, like you want a specific person, right? Oh, I see. Do you want to, <laughs> like, you want the fat, you want the muscle, you want to uh, mix? I think you want to mix. I think you want an average, like a good, like a good marbled stick. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think when we do zero to ninety nine, which is you know that at the end of the podcast we rank the movie from right. what we thought back then and we what we think now zero to ninety, we should do who you eat at the end. Okay, I'm oh, in. Okay, uh, so great twist, Jeffrey Jones. We definitely dead. won't be judged by who we would eat. <laughs> oh my god, it's gonna be yeah. yeah. It's I'm a little nervous about this, but that's okay. Don't worry, let's yeah. just it's gonna who, be fun. You know what? Let's say who would you eat in history. So dead people. So dead we people. So we don't. Have, so we don't have to all say you know who obviously we would all eat. Yeah, because if that person happens to get eaten, obviously. Yeah, we'd obviously all eat Jeffrey. We should all be careful. We'd all eat Jeffrey Jones. There's so many people listening to this podcast. No. Why would I eat Jeffrey Jones? It's not a bad choice. 
<laughs> You've got a good mix of fat and muscle. So you guys think about who, who you want to eat. Uh, Jeffrey Jones is not dead. The big reveal, not dead. Right. In real life or, or in the in movie. Or in the movie. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, and that he's been working with, uh, with Carlisle all along. Well, all sort along, of just just recently, recently, yeah, yeah, just recently enough, yeah, yeah, that he's helpful to him since Boyd has you know has been away. <laughs> they've they've gotten closer. they've gotten close. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Um, and then I mean, is it, I mean, then there's the fight. Like yeah. I don't really know, like what else? What is the big beats after that? Really, Jeffrey Jones has his kind of great character moment. Oh where yeah, he's like, I right. can't do it. Mm-hmm. Kill me, I can't do it. Well, no, so so Boyd is tied is tied up mm-hmm. is restrained and. Boyd convinces um, Jeff Jones that mm-hmm. he should let him go so that he can kill the real monster. And then right. Jeffrey Jones is like, sorry, but yes, I'll do that, but you got to kill me too. Yeah. So he does. He slits the throat. Which is does, nice. He doesn't even eat him. Like doesn't a, even eat him. Yeah. Not a, a lick. What a waste. Not I know. A lick. I know. <laughs> what, a, what a waste. Yeah. He should have, just for the fight, for the ensuing fight. Seriously. Just, oh, it's true. He, he should have hulked out yeah. on Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have the final, uh, the so, final so the end fight, um, which in the script, as I mentioned, takes place on the roof of the cabins at night while they were burning was scrapped in favor of them just beating the hell out of each other. Apparently. Yeah, during the day. And, uh, and production rented a fake blood while shooting this, which I think is kind of amazing. Oh my God. So that's kind of, that's how much blood they used. Um, it feels a little comic booky. Yeah. Well, you know it feels I mean? like two superheroes going at it that they can't really, which I don't love. neither can hurt. Um, and it's also very, I mean, it's weird. I'm kind of of it's two minds on too, it. It's long too, isn't it? It is long. Yeah. And it's, I'm kind of of two minds because th- there's the version in my head where I can see them on the, ca- on the cabins and it's more of a chase and it's more dynamic and it's, it's just more cinematic. But then the version of these two guys just beating the hell out of each other and rolling around on the ground kind of feels appropriate yeah, for this like movie. Yeah, it's like and just like. So I'm kind of yeah. like, I, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, except for the fact that it's during the day. I just feel like, I don't know. It, it feels fitting and yet not fitting at the same time. I can't really, can't really sort of wrap my head around it. The final but. death blow is pretty cool. Though. Yes. The, the, yeah. the, the teeth and the, does yeah. not lack, uh, subtlety. Yeah. They not subtle. So no. basically guy, guy Pierce <laughs> is wrestling with Robert Kyle out yeah. on the ground and has yeah. worked him towards a bear trap he set up. <laughs> Which is in the middle of the... Oh, I guess oh, that makes sense. He, he set it up yeah. for the fight. In the middle oh, of the bar. Yeah, because yeah, right, okay. he, you, he, you see him clock the the, right. the bear trap, so you know that it hits his plan. So he set it up, he gets him on top of it, and he kind of has to push his head down on the trigger to have the bear trap yeah. close, and he kind of has no choice but to but do to, it with them yeah. both there, yeah. given their position. And this bear trap closes like a giant alligator mouth or shark mouth yeah or just a mouth of them just a giant mouth with teeth with with, you know (laughs) any kind of mouth really really. well not my mouth i don't have like (laughs) jagged teeth but it's like this giant like dinosaur mouth (laughs) yes yes like eating them both at the same time Mm -hmm. it's fucking awesome it's Mm -hmm. awesome it's a really great ending it's a great image and it's a final image of the of the movie of of this nice aerial shot what he says you know rob carla butt appetite if you die first I'm going to eat you. No, I'm going to eat you. Yeah. It's such, it's so it's awesome. It's great. It's great. But if I die first, are you going to eat me? Eat yeah. me? And we don't know. Because I know. guess they both sort of die. Well, they both die. I, I couldn't remember actually how it ended, but they do both die. And well, then. He, they both don't die. He's, don't? well, Boyd is basically on the verge of death. Right. And then he sees what's her face, whose name I'm forgetting. Martha. 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 
who sees him and just walks. And just cold. Yeah. She's like, cold. She's like I am She's done like, with these white boys. I'm not fucking helping you guys anymore. I'm done. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. And then we're, I guess we're led to believe that he does not try to eat him and just starts. Right. But, yeah, but then the, the last scene, I guess, is when Spencer eats the stew that had been sitting. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's like it's the like sequel. An, yeah. Ravenous 2. More Ravenous. Ravenous 2. <laughs> ravenous Leo, Leo McGarry goes on a rampage. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's a great last image. It's a great. Yeah. It's 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 just a fucking great movie. It's a super strong. I'm so glad you guys. Like <laughs> I'm it. so. I mean, I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah, this this, this couldn't have gone if better. If you had not brought this up, this probably would have been a movie we did in 2022. Seriously, <laughs> like, it wow. would have been like far down wow. the down the road. Oh, but yeah. nothing against it. It's just like yeah. literally knew nothing about it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I knew it, but it wasn't on my. It was certainly not on my radar of like this first swath of movies that you know that we're covering. Uh, so I'm, we're, we're thrilled that you, yes. that you that you brought hey, it up and that you came up. Yeah, yeah, you're indebted to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I could just just give me your meat when you die or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we know your answer for yeah, that. I guess for, I guess that's yeah. the answer for that. I'm actually really hungry. Like I just came from the desert and didn't eat on the way. Sure, here. sure. So, give me your meat. Give me your meat. Give me your meat when you're done. <laughs> Are you eating that? You know that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, moon vest in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Give me your fingernails. Give me your fingernails. <laughs> and then he says, no. Moonvest. That's the best. Zero to 99. I'd eat Moonvest. Go ahead. <laughs> Shut up. Zero to 99. Back in the day, I would say for me anyway, I liked it, didn't love it, didn't make as much of an impression on me. This time around, really fucking dug it. I'd say back in 99, I'd probably give it like a 70. And now I'd probably give it like a 80, 81. 70 is pretty strong though. But yeah, mm-hmm. 80, 81. I think back in the day, I at the Cumberland. At the Cumberland, it might have been the. It, it was either the Cumberland or the Varsity, but yeah. um, I would have given it probably an eighty, and it's probably an eighty-five now. Wow! Yeah, so you you loved it back then. You I loved, loved it, it back then. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, Kenny had not seen it. In I had not seen it. So an NA. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and today, I, I really, I really liked it. Don't don't take this as a. Uh oh. It's not that low, but it's real. I mean, I gave it a seventy-three. Right. Yeah. I think it's a really that's great. That's good. That's solid. That's a, that's a really yeah. good. That's, uh, a, that's, think, a, that's a It's just like something yeah. personally for me. I don't. I just yeah. love. You know, you can't explain it. Sometimes even like I just love this movie. The highs are super high. The yeah. lows aren't particularly low. Yeah. Um, it's a great I movie. I often just watch the first forty-five yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Great movie. Uh, uh, great yeah. movie. You guys want to yeah. say awesome. who you would eat? Oh, you're not going to say who you're going to I eat? did. I said, I'd, I'd eat Moonvest. Actually, I, I, I do have an answer. I think it's, I think, I think Alec Baldwin would make a tasty treat. Oh, so. man. <laughs> yes. That's a really good call. That's, that's good. a really good call. Did yeah. you have somebody? I don't have anyone that's coming to mind, but. You got to clear, you got to clear your mind. Okay. And yeah. think about who would be good to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that like, it's, it's a, it's a weird question. Cause I feel like there's no, like. You have never been asked that before? No. <laughs> what? No. Uh, I think, I mean, Alec Baldwin is a really good call on your part. Because that's a man that's like, got some meat on his bones. Yeah. But like, yeah. he's not fat. And like, I, he's relatively toned. And I wouldn't feel that bad about eating him. <laughs> so, I and say, I wouldn't be disgusted by eating him either. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a fine I want to say one other thing since we're talking about Alec Baldwin. Sure. Which is that watching Beetlejuice today, I turned to my roommate and I was like, I forget that Alec Baldwin is in this movie. Because it is such oh, yeah. not an Alec Baldwin performance. It's the, he's the most meek. 
he's ever been in a movie. He's so sweet. He doesn't look like Alec Baldwin. He's wearing yeah. these glasses. Like it's just it's a we it's it's similar to how I feel about Cameron Diaz and being John Malkovich. Which oh is God. that I often forget she's in that movie yeah. because it is such a chameleon kind of performance. And it's just unlike anything Alec Baldwin's ever done since. Do we have an Alec Baldwin movie in 99? I don't know. Do we? I'm going to try to find that. You find that out. Uh, in terms of who I would eat, I, I, I honestly, I think, I mean, maybe an athlete is sort of what comes to mind. They'd be too stringy. Oh, because they're too toned? Yeah. Maybe, too tough. Maybe a lineman. Ooh. Maybe. I don't know enough about football. My, Michael Orr, the guy from the blind side. <laughs> that keep you. That keep you going for, for a while. Uh, yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Oh, that works for me. Yeah. I, I, sign me up. Sign me up. Uh, so, do we have a '99 Alec Baldwin? No. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Um, thank you for coming on. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Um, please Thanks. come on again. I'd next love time, to. Next time you're in town, stigmata. Give us. Stigmata. Maybe. Give us a head up, heads up the next time you're in town. Yeah. And we'll find a new movie and we'll, we'll do this Sounds again. That's great. Because uh, none of a- them will be as good as Ravenous, but. Listen, you don't know that. That's true. I don't That's know. Maybe true. a movie you haven't seen either. Yeah. You know what oh. I mean? Something that like you're like always been curious to watch. There's and, so you know, many that yeah. I haven't seen in so 99. This is yeah. such a great quest. That, there you um, go. On now. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, we did an Alec Baldwin movie. Oh, Jesus. Already? Notting Hill. Uh, it's not really uh, and, an Alec Baldwin movie. Uh, He's in Outside Providence, which keeps oh, coming Jesus up for me. Jesus Christ. Uh, which he is. Okay, and, uh, we'll talk about And I look forward to talking about him because I think, talking about him because I think he has one of the more interesting careers. Oh, absolutely. Over the last 50 years. For sure. And, for sure. and he looks tasty. Yeah. And, he, and he's delicious. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Guys, we don't know what we're doing next week. Yeah, we have no idea. We will. Uh, it's not that we have no idea, but we have not solidified a guest or a movie at this point. So stay tuned. We'll do something. We'll do something. It'll be from It'll 99. Be great. It'll be from 99. <laughs> You're going to love it, whatever that might very well be. Uh, or hate it. Um, because you definitely hated what we did last week. I mean, the movie was, yeah. Garbage. What was it last week? What? Last week? Analysis. Oh, right. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Forgot about that one. Yeah, I didn't enjoy that at all. No, it's not a good one. Yeah, that movie does not age well. Reviewed well, though. Huh. Um, But we'll see you next week with a new movie, 1999. Uh, Lindy, thank you so much. And we will uh, we'll. See you all soon. Hear you all soon. Uh, at Nybart, at PM Lindy, do you want to? Do you have any handles you want to uh, promote? No, I'm just Lindy Greenwood on Twitter and Instagram. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Verified though. I'm not verified. Verified yeah. have, have for you what? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And they said no. I didn't say no. I just got a radio silence. Stupid. Mm. Yeah. Stupid. Get, get you verified. You're famous. Oh, thanks, Lindy. If you can get me verified, that'd be something. It's. Mm. It was before the podcast. Try again now. Okay. <laughs> All, right. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.